Coming up today on the Locked on Hornets podcast, Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer joins us to tell us what we did wrong in including some of the moments and our greatest moments in Charlotte Hornets history. Also, he tells us what he thinks is the best season of all time in Charlotte franchise history and this. Space Jam? Really? You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Now, we are daily, usually, especially during the season, but because of the times that we are in, we will be going to three days a week. We will be doing shows on Mondays and Wednesdays and pretty much doing these rewatches on Friday. They've been a lot of fun. David Walker has been joining us to watch some of the classic Hornets games, and we've been doing that again every Friday. Uh, so. By the way, Walker, I have a nomination for the next rewatch game. Uh, David sent me the link to Hornets Bulls. Uh, this would have been 94-95 uh, when, when they were uh, second out of seven in the Central Division. Uh, beating the Bulls in Game Three, I believe. Yeah, I think it was actually. Uh, it was yeah. The, the time they beat them in the conference semis, they actually beat Chicago in Game Two. And uh, both of the times that they they won ninety four ninety five was the Game Two that they beat them in the first round. And then they also faced them in the conference semis and beat them in Game Two. But then the Bulls won every single other game. Let's talk to somebody that knows a little bit more about that than us, Doug. We do have Rick Bennell on the show. It's not Tuesdays with Rick anymore, but we have adapted as the time calls for Rick Bennell here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bunnell. Rick, thank you so much once again. We always appreciate it. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Busy time, but productive. Well, and Rick, it's busy for you because you are moving from the Hornets beat to now just kind of discussing how the city of Charlotte has been impacted. You know, I know you're working on a couple of different pieces. You're doing a lot of, and I know your time is extremely valuable because you don't know exactly what you're going to have to do you know, with, with all of the decisions being handed down in the city of Charlotte, within the county of Mecklenburg. You know, when you look at this, Rick, what, what are some of the things that have been coming about the city of Charlotte uh, during this pandemic that you've found particularly noteworthy that you've been having to work on as well? You know, I'm doing a story talking to the head of Atrium Healthcare's hospital chaplain program and listening to him talk about so many stakeholders and what is going on, not just, you know, I mean, obviously chaplains' lives and careers have changed dramatically as far as not being able to physically interact with, with patients and their families, but they have, there are so many other people they're responsible for. Um, dealing with the mental wellness of all these healthcare providers who are so stressed out right now. And uh, I hadn't even thought about things like volunteers that have been displaced and no longer have things, anything to do with their days. I mean, it's just, it's an amazingly involved thing, and there are no, not enough hours in the day. And you just, after talking to this chaplain, I just wanted to say a prayer for everybody um, who, is, who is taking care of the caregivers. Rick, I know we also talked about people continuing to go to the park, and they're not social distancing. They're pretty clearly within a six-foot bubble that is recommended for everybody right now. What is the, what's the possibility that they just straight up close every park and don't allow any access to it because people aren't abiding by the guidelines? You know, Walker, the, the county parks and rec have done what they can to 
lock up tennis courts, take down volleyball nets. They went out and had ziplocks put on all the basketball goals. Um, I don't know, you know, and they have constantly reminded people, you know, do not bend the rules. Um, the honor system is expiring. Uh, I am sitting in my home office um, juggling a lot of different things right now. And one of them is just waiting for the county. I'm not saying this is inevitable, but I think it's likely simply to have no other choice but to shut down the parks entirely. And as you guys have, have know from, from my point of view, that greenway getting shut down would be just awful for my life. Yeah, it would be really frustrating for everybody not to be able to go out and at least experience some kind of outdoor activity. Right now, we're not going to be the vampires because we do have at least some kind of access, but it's going to happen to where we walk out of the door and the sun hurts our skin. I mean, we need to be able to get outside and hopefully everybody will be able to social distance themselves and these parks can stay open. Rick, let's talk about just one aspect of the Hornets real quickly. I saw you answer this question on Twitter, just about how big of a surprise Cody Martin was. And I think pretty clearly the biggest surprise was Devontae Graham's performance this entire season, right? Just the way nobody expected him to do what he did this year. He was phenomenal, especially in the first half of the way that this year was played. Um, but Cody Martin was also a surprise. Rick, where does he rank among just some of the first-year guys that have come out of the second round, maybe to uh, compare to other second-rounders that have been selected by the Charlotte Hornets in the past? You know, somebody asked me a question. Um, is Cody Martin the nicest surprise among people who were not drafted in the first round in Charlotte NBA history? And the way I responded to that was, I can certainly understand why you're asking me that question. And if you had me write up a list of the people, he would be deserve to be on that list, just like obviously Devante is. Um, but you know something? That standard, that bar is incredibly high. Because what people understandably forget about is, Brad Miller wasn't even drafted. <laughs> and he ended up an NBA All-Star. Not here, um, I think it was with the Pacers by then when he, you know, when, when he actually was was voted in, in as an All Star Reserve. But I mean, the idea that somebody wasn't even drafted would end up with that accomplished a career that obviously that's very very rare. It says really good thing about Bob Bass's eye for talent. But you know, a, a couple of years into Brad's career, I asked a good friend who was an NBA scout, "What did everybody miss about Brad Miller?" And I love the guy's answer. You know, Brad was incredibly productive at Purdue at figuring out a way to make people foul him. He would take constant trips to the to um, the free throw line. And what the scout said to me was, none of us figured out in time to do anything about it that that would that was a skill that would translate to the next level. And you know, Brad, you know, for a guy who admitted that he would have ended up a welder somewhere if he didn't have a skill for basketball. Brad made a very, very nice career for himself. Yeah, he had two all-star appearances, one with the Pacers in 2002-2003. Then he would go on to play for the Sacramento Kings and make an all-star appearance the next season, his first season with Sacramento, and had a very nice career. So how about a Brad Miller mention today? That's why we have you on, Rick. Those are the kind of things that we want to talk about. Uh, let's also talk about the bracket that we've put together, Rick. We put together 
a bracket of the greatest moments in Charlotte franchise history, whether it be the Bobcats, the Hornets' first appearance here, or the comeback season, and then on for the Charlotte Hornets. Rick, I know on Twitter you said that we should have put Kobe Bryant's 58 points over the Bobcats. Despite the Bobcats winning, we should have put that moment in our bracket. Why was that such an important moment for you to be included? And is there anything that at least you saw or heard from us? Maybe you didn't have time to look at some of the other things that we put there, but just overall, you know, Kobe Bryant's 58 points and the Bobcats still winning. How important was that to you, to the franchise? And, you know, what were some other moments, maybe if you saw some that you'd put it in over? I probably covered a couple of thousand NBA games in my career. And honestly, that sticks out as one of the five or six most interesting um, nights I, I covered a game live. Um, Kobe was just, you know, it was, it was vintage. And the Hornets, despite him scoring all those points, figured out a way to win that game. You know, the, Horn the Hornets were strangely effective against the Lakers those first few seasons that they were the Bobcats. And it was because they had this, you know, obviously Gerald Wallace, but they also had like four or five different people who were qualified mid mid-sized defenders. They would make Kobe work for it. And there was something about that night, the way that it reminded people that the NBA is really fun and really cool. And a whole lot of people who the only reason they were there was because they were, you know, Lakers fans or Kobe fans. There was a message sent that night, I think, that the NBA is back in Charlotte and that it has a chance to thrive. And there was something really uplifting about and cool about that night that you know, honestly seared into my memory a little bit. And I, I just I just think that if you had me mention 16 of the most interesting nights that I was around the Hornets slash Bobcats, that was easily inside the curve. So that's that's interesting that you bring up that there was a little bit of historical significance in that it did it did say to the world, hey, Charlotte basketball exists and and it could be viable. Maybe that that adds a little bit of weight and importance that I that I didn't well, consider no, no, obviously at first. That but I want to read you the, the Bristol, the, Connecticut, since uh -huh. they owns the Bobcats. <laughs> Well, it never does. I was listening to Hollinger and Duncan and Hollinger. I love John Hollinger, but he, he broke my heart uh, today on the latest podcast. He has a Charlotte test for uh, grading potential Hall of Famers. If they played in Charlotte, uh, would they would they still be uh, in Hall of Fame contention? And I was like, oh, God, calm down, Hollinger. You're killing me. Um, let me read you, uh, uh, Rick, my the four seeds from to so the bottom seeds from this bracket. You tell me which of these you would take out and put in that 58-point that game by Kobe and the Bobcats win. So the 16 seed or the, the bottom four seed is Muggsy blocking Patrick Ewing, and then the, other, the, the next four seed is Al Jefferson making the All-NBA. The next four seed is Kimba Walker's 60-point game, and the next four seed is Courtney Lee's shot to win the game in Game 5 against the Heat in that last first-round playoff series. Are, do you see one of those that you would say, Dad, take well, that out and I put mean, in it, the 58 it was cool game. and fun that, that, that Muggsy blocked Patrick, but I don't know what kind of historical <laughs> significance it has. 
<laughs> well, people talk, people still talk about it. It was such a it was such an interesting thing to see. You got you you picked one of my picks, so now I'm being like super. Yeah, you're about it. But um, you know, it, people like they like, make videos about it. It showed Doug, up on you're a highlight reel. It's not news. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's absolutely true. Uh, Rick, I do well, want to take you, you and, and look at the one seeds today. and see if these were appropriate or would you have put something else, maybe even go down the two seeds. I, I don't want to list all of them, but that might end up what happens. So here's the one seeds, right? We have Alonzo Morning shot as a one seed. The Kimball Walker franchise scoring record that night being a one seed. We put Space Jam in there as a one seed and the Charlotte Hornets debut all the way back in 1989. Those were the one seeds. Uh, is there one that you roll your eyes at there when hearing that it is a one seed in one of our regions? Space Jam? Really? Yeah, I figured. Yep. <laughs> I figured Space Jam would be it. You're, you're out on Space <laughs> Jam, it. huh? I know it. You're pandering. We all know you're trying to get people to get think Space Jam is still cool. I appreciate the, the effort for the old farts, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> But did it? But but Rick, but Rick, didn't Space Jam represent? So it's it's a stand-in for the fact that for a for a moment, Charlotte basketball was a was a national thing. It wasn't just you know we we've lived in in all, more than a decade now. Charlotte basketball being a hyper regional thing, uh, but for a moment it was I, national. Didn't like Space I Jam represent you. that? I mean, I mean, if a movie about a bunch of hornets losing their powers <laughs> is. It, you know, I mean, Sam Vincent did that for an entire season. <laughs> it was the alien. <laughs> okay, but but Rick, it it did it. <laughs> that's funny. It did mean though that there were Charlotte Hornets with superpowers. That, that, that they had, we'll that look they at had it that way. Lose. That's the way that we like to look at it. Um, I don't want to go down the list. I'm not going to do that to you, Rick. I'm not going to let you take any more of our nonsense. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with maybe some of the best seasons in Charlotte Hornets history, not just the moments, but what were the best seasons overall when you take a look at it? That's coming up next on the Locked On Podcast Network. More discussion with Rick Bennell coming up next. But first, I want to talk to you guys about making sure that you support local in these difficult times. And we've got some really wonderful sponsors on this show, but none more important than Queen City Beauty Group because they are local. And we have to support our local businesses in any way that we can. We've told you over the weeks how amazing they are. Michelle Mosley is an award-winning esthetician. They do custom skin treatments. They have an acne clinic. It's like no other spa in Charlotte. I got to go to Nichelle Mosley. She was fantastic. She made sure I was extremely comfortable. She taught me how to take care of my skin. She even followed up with an email on how I can better take care of my skin myself. She was fantastic. And they are rolling out even a virtual consultation for remote clients. And we'll be telling you more about that soon if you're interested. If you can't pay them a visit, um, and certainly these times, uh, consider getting an e-gift card to use later. For the month of April, Queen City Beauty Group is offering e-gift cards for 30% off. That's redeemable for future services. Gift cards are available in custom amounts from $35 all the way to $1,000, all at a 30% savings. To take advantage of the special, what you can do is you can go to www queencitybeautygroup.com. You can click shop at the top of the page and quote e-gift cards on the top of the next page. Remember, in times like these, small businesses need your support more than ever. Queen City Beauty Group appreciates your support and your support of the Locked On Podcast Network. Queen City Beauty Group, skincare for all. I'm not breaking any news here, Walker, but sports have come to a screeching halt. Er, that's my screech noise. Basketball Sounded is benched. <laughs> it's good. 
Basketball is benched, pitchers are off the mound, but our friends at mybookie.ag are not going to let it get you down. Stay sane, stay entertained with access to your favorite games like blackjack, roulette, slots, war, and more. It doesn't matter whether you're out on the front lines or you're quarantined at home. The fun doesn't have to come to an end with mybookie.ag. If video poker's not your thing, it's okay. They've got you covered with a host of live casino dealers online. That's right. They have professional dealers at their tables, live on site 24-7. If your favorite squad is sidelined right now because of this pandemic, don't sweat it. MyBookie has partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action straight from the court in NBA 2K20. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They are reliable, they're upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. Visit mybookie.ag and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word, for a 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. That's LOCKEDONNBA to receive a 150% cash bonus on your first deposit, and you can claim those extra funds all the way up to $750. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You spin, you win, you get paid. This is Locked On Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Okay, so here's the deal. The Locked on NBA Network is doing a really cool thing right now where all of the local podcasts are talking this week and next week about the best seasons in their respective franchise's history. And we've got Rick Bennell, Charlotte Observer, on the line now. So who better to talk about that with? And Rick, as we look over the franchise's history, uh, this is going to be a little bit weighted. I mean, some of the best seasons in franchise history happened in in their first run in Charlotte before moving to New Orleans and then coming back. Uh, A lot of, there are a couple of 50 win seasons. You've got 94, 95. They were second in the Central Division, 50 wins under Bristow. Uh, You've got their first playoff appearance in 92, 93. They had back-to-back 50 win seasons in 96 uh, through 98. Uh, when when you when I ask you that question, like what is the best season in franchise history, Rick? What does your mind immediately go to? Their first playoff appearance, and and not just because they got into the playoffs, but because they really got the country's attention in a very quick order. You know, t- to play a team as historic as the Celtics, to play a team that. Even though those guys were aging out, a team that included Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and, and Robert Parrish, um, you know, it, it was really interesting. Here, everybody perceived that as, oh, my God, the Hornets have no chance against those guys. And the opinion was completely the opposite in Boston. Every All the, all the Celtics fans, they knew, you know, that, you know, Bird's back was gone and that, you know, Kevin McHale was playing with a bad ankle, which – you know, years later, it turned out he literally had a he was playing on a fractured ankle. And, you know, they managed to beat that team. And, and obviously, you know, with the greatest um, uh, basket in in Charlotte NBA history. And then they got to advance and, and play the Knicks. It was just so it was such a cool uh, moment of arrival. And it showed off the cool uniforms and the fact that everybody thought that Larry, you know, that Larry Johnson was was 
you know, something special in a charismatic way and that Alonzo Mourning was Alonzo Mourning. And, you know, so many possibilities were created that season. And then, oh, my God, it just went to crap so quickly. <laughs> and, you, and you speak to the sudden nature of it, because I'm just looking over the franchise's history now. 88-89, they were last in their division. 89-90, last, last, last. And then all of a sudden, third in the Central, and they win 44 games. Not their, not their highest win total. In fact, that 2016 playoff team uh, won 48 games. So not a high win total, but you're speaking just to the, the emotional – aspect of this because it was it, it did all of a sudden say hey this team that charlotte already loved by the way they were already packing the house to watch this last place team and then all of a sudden it becomes an actual playoff team and a playoff winning team you know carl Shear, the the hornets first general manager um his business model those very first couple of years was he thought the games that would really sell out were the ones that brought in you know like famous opponents and, you know, it was it was he was accepting the fact that um, he was assuming that fans just weren't going to get all that excited about seeing, you know, the local team play. And it turned out to, to, a, to a large degree to be the opposite, that um, the games that sold out fastest that first season beyond the obvious ones, like when you know Jordan showed up the first time, were games where people thought that the Hornets had a realistic chance of winning. What I'm getting at is the town fell in love with their guys just as much as they fell in love with the idea that Charlotte was a major league city and that that adoption came faster than anybody within the organization anticipated. Talk to me about Alan Bristow, uh, really the first coach of significance for the Charlotte Hornets, right? I mean, you had Dick Harder to start, and then they moved to Gene Littles. That might be the forgotten coach in Charlotte Hornets history. But talk to me about Alan Bristow as a coach. Coached here for uh, five seasons. Um, what was what was his attitude? What was his style? Because I, I grew up with Cowens and Silas, so I didn't know much about Bristow. You know, coaches so often are creatures of their mentors. Um, you know, we used to joke when Steve Clifford was here, that everybody, you know, was running around with with um, with rubber bands on their wrists that said, you know, what would Stan do for for Stan Van Gundy, and in that same way, Allen just thought that Doug Moe walked on water, and Doug was a person who just didn't believe all that much in scouting reports and drilling deep into opponents. He felt like if you were doing what you do best, then it doesn't really matter what much you know, what the other team did, it, it created kind of a weird dynamic where some of the players felt underprepared by the fact that that, that was Allen's, you know, philosophical viewpoint. And I remember asking um, a couple of other people around the NBA ab about that dynamic. And one of the things that I heard from, a, from an opposing coach was, even if the players don't really need those scouting reports, if it makes them feel more confident going in than just do it to placate them. And like I said, Alan just, he just didn't believe in certain things and he could be a little bit stubborn at times. And that was ended up being his undoing. 
I would love to go down the philosophical, uh, philosophical viewpoint of each of the coaches here with the Hornets. That might be an interesting project, maybe down the road. That would be awesome. That was good stuff on Bristow. But before we get you out of here, Rick, I want to talk to you maybe just about a couple of other teams that could be in contention with that first overall appearance the Hornets ever had that they would eventually beat with the Boston Celtics. I want to go back to that 96-97 year, Rick. So maybe just in a simple way to view things. You might say, okay, best season ever for the Hornets is the one in which they got the most wins. 96-97, the Hornets got 54 wins. That is still the most they've ever had in franchise history. Yet they enter the first round and they get swept by the New York Knicks. 0 for 3, straight up, they're out. What, how much of a shock was that to you that they got beat that badly against the New York Knicks? And what kind of overall feeling did you have heading into that series? You know, the thing about playoffs is you can get really lucky or unlucky with the matchups you draw. Um, I think I've mentioned to you that I am convinced that if the, if Al Jefferson hadn't gotten hurt um, in 2016, that they not only would have beaten the Heat, but they would have had a hell of a chance of being the Raptors just because they matched up so well with that team. Um, to me, the most interesting thing historically is, and I, I think if you ask Carl, uh, George Carl this, he would agree, they should have beaten the Bucs. The, the, you know, that, that other year, the, the, their best chance to ever get to a mm-hmm. final they had them beaten, and that was not a pretty team. As as we were talking about off air, um, you know the things Jamal Masburn had to do to um, make that team viable offensively. Sometimes they were just completely over the top. It was before Baron Davis really became Baron Davis. Baron's great seasons were much more in New Orleans than here. Um, but I, I always wonder if they had beaten the Bucs and gotten to the Eastern Conference final, if that might have swayed the political dynamic in some way that the downtown arena would have been built before um, David Stern split the baby um, um, solution. Rick, when you look at that team that played against the Bucs, failing to reach the Eastern Conference finals, is, is that the other team that you would put against the the team that got the first overall uh, appearance and, and series win? Because you look at that team, right? I mean, we're talking about guys like Jamal Mashburn, Baron Davis, Eldon Campbell, P.J. Brown. I mean, a very good team within itself. But talent-wise, it would be pretty hard to argue that that team was more talented than the other teams in the previous years here with the Hornets. Well, it depends, Walker. Are you talking about what 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 they might have been or what they were in that minute? Because I would I would argue that if you were taking snapshots of each of the teams and you could take those teams and play play a tournament against the other teams, I would say mm-hmm. right then and there that was the best team in Hornets history. In other words, in other words yeah, you know, it, you could argue all day that if somehow you had managed to keep, you know, the Larry, you know, Zoe Kendall dynamic from imploding that somewhere down the road they would have done something special. But in terms of right then and there, that team that should have beaten the Bucs and gotten the Eastern Conference final against the Sixers, that was the best team ever to play in those uniforms. It's great stuff from Rick Bennell here from the Charlotte Observer joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Again, you can go on Twitter and find him there. Uh, his handle is at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thank you so much. It's always fun to kind of dive into Hornets, uh, Hornets history with us. Uh, thanks again um, for joining us on the podcast. Sure thing, guys. You have a great day.
We've still got to talk about our greatest franchise moments bracket. That's coming up in the next segment. Uh, But first, here's an issue that I'm having right now, Walker, and maybe you can kind of back me up on this. These streaming services that we have right now, they're releasing all of their best stuff, but I still want to read, right? I want to take advantage of this time to get smarter. Are you feeling me there? Are you like, no books, I'm all stream? I have don't I don't have that problem. I want to watch TV. <laughs> well, I want to get smart, and so I use Blinkist. Blinkist is really cool. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people like business leaders are well known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you and I. They just want to get the main points of a book quickly, and you can start using that information right away. With its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during a commute, a lunch break, you know, whatever. While you're exercising at home right now, you can pop in a Blinkist. I downloaded The Sports Gene, Inside the Science of Extraordinary Athletic Performance. This is a book that I've been trying to read forever. Bam, 15 minutes I had all the need-to-know information. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA. You can try it free for seven days, and you save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com NBA to start your free seven-day trial And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with one final segment here on the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Final play, though, was pretty pretty doo-doo. You missed the shot, you missed the shot, but that was and that good. It was reminiscent of Hornets inbounds years past. I was going to say, yeah, it was doo-doo, as you said, and it reminded of, what was a, the other shot that you didn't like, Doug? It's a technical uh, the, term, the technical basketball term. I'm a smart but, basketball guy. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Rick thought some of our decisions for the bracket were doo-doo. Rick, <laughs> uh, Rick did not like Space Jam. He did not like Muggsy Bogues blocking Patrick Ewing. He dooted on him for sure. I, I was I was actually I thought he would not like your all NBA for Al Jefferson. But then I don't know. He was he, he was a he respected what he respected the fact that the Hornets were able to get Al Jefferson, I think, and he also respects the fact I mean he, um, obviously because he thinks if Big Al was healthy in fourteen, they would have beaten the Heat. Yeah, I mean, I guessed both of his problems to a T. I came in here knowing exactly what he was going to choose, and sure enough, I was right. I, I knew exactly what he was going to choose in both of those situations. And sure enough, he delivered. He also gave us the first appearance um, for the Hornets in that in the playoffs, Doug. The first ever franchise playoff appearance. He said that was the best season in Charlotte Hornets history. Now, that is a little bit different from best team, which is kind of where I drove the vehicle um, unintentionally. But he did say the best season of all time was the season that ended with them beating the Boston Celtics in the first round. Were you surprised to hear that, or did you think that certainly was in the running with some of the other better years that the Hornets have had? No, I think because you have to get a little bit definitional when you talk about this with the Charlotte Hornets, because unlike the Celtics and the Lakers and the Pistons and the even the Dallas Mavericks, you don't have the championship sitting there or the championships that you got to debate between, and you don't have a championship to really lean on and say, pop, you know, I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, 
that the cool thing about being a Charlotte Hornets fan in a weird way is that the moment they make an Eastern Conference Finals, it'll be the greatest season in Charlotte Hornets history, and you, dear listener, will get to participate in that. But until then, we have to go all the way back to those emotional, heady days of the early 90s when the Hornets were, like I said, I, I, I like this pick because the Hornets were already they were already they already had some national attention with with Zoe and Grandmama and, and LJ and all this stuff, and but they were still a last place team, and that was the first oh man this could this could be a big deal, um, and then you would go to now I, I really want to look at that next and this could be part of the rewatch that we do on Friday when we watch that game that they won against the Bulls in ninety four ninety five because that team, and we talked to Del Curry one time on this podcast and he said that team could have gone further than it could have gotten to an Eastern Conference Finals had they not run into a Michael Jordan on the comeback where in the 45. Yeah, and that team would have had to battle the Orlando Magic. That would be the representative of the East in the NBA Finals that season, right? The Orlando Magic, they beat Michael Jordan. You know, a lot of people forget about that, but Michael Jordan came back and Orlando beat a Bulls team that had Michael Jordan, uh, Jordan on the roster. And remember that that Magic Hornets matchup would have been fun, though. How would you like... Zoe versus Shaq. I mean, it's something we never got. We were sort of denied that. Yeah, Zoe versus Shaq, but also, how about Muggsy Bogues versus Penny Hardaway? How about six foot seven, six foot eight Penny well, Hardaway versus Muggsy Bogues? I think Bristow would have had matchup. to try to figure something out there. I think because, yeah. I mean, Penny <laughs> could have just shot over Muggsy all day. I but. mean, that would have been... I would have been entertained as hell watching that matchup. I was Penny the the tallest point guard in the league at that point. He very well could have been. So, you know, that was Ben Simmons before Ben Simmons, right? Except Penny could actually shoot a little bit better than Benny uh, because he could shoot, period. Whatever. That would have been a fun matchup to watch. What did you think about some of the other seasons, right? Like when we started again to drive the vehicle towards best team and we talked about that Hornets team that played against the Milwaukee Bucks we're within one game of getting to the Eastern Conference Finals because as we try to talk about this definition, is it okay, who got the furthest? Well, the furthest when it comes to the postseason, it's the 2000-2001 Hornets team that came within one game of going to the Eastern Conference Finals. We could go to, just keeping it simple, right, the 96-97 team that won 54 games but got swept against the New York Knicks, or do we go to that first playoff appearance where they kind of overcame the odds and beat that Boston Celtics team uh, what is the next contender, Doug, if you will, to put up against maybe that 92-93 team? Yeah, to me, it would be the 94-95 team or the 2000-2001 team. And I have a special affinity to the 2000-2001 team because I really believe that that team had enough to get by the Bucks. The Bucks were vulnerable. The Hornets had played them well all season. And the matchups that they had coming up, I felt like were in the Hornets' favor uh, so I, I was I was feeling it. I mean, I felt like the Hornets were really going to be contenders. Uh, the Hornets, I was just looking this up, the Hornets actually would get a chance to play the Magic, but it would be far beyond the uh, – it would be the next season, 2001-2002, uh, before they left for New Orleans. Uh, this would be far beyond the Shaq and Penny years. This was the uh, – Daryl Armstrong, proud of Gastonia, went to my high school. Uh, Patrick Ewing was on that Magic team. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, that's where Steve Clifford got to know Patrick Ewing, and Ewing would eventually be uh, um, associate head coach. Um, Grant Hill was on that team. Tracy McGrady was on that. It was in his fourth season. Was that, be was that before T-Mac was good? Because there was – I think that was – we had talked about T-Mac's lack of productivity in the playoffs. I think that might have been 
was he already good with Let's the Raptors? See. I, I he, he yeah, already this had was, so this was point. his first good year. He scored twenty six point okay. eight points that season. Before then, his average was fifteen point four. For those those were the three Toronto years that he opened up with. Okay, okay, and yeah, I didn't know if there was like a a transition year in Orlando where maybe it was maybe like one year before he got good, but that was the T Mac led Orlando Magic. Uh-huh. Um, fair enough. All right, Doug, let's transition to some of the greatest moments of Charlotte Hornets history. Right. So this is the bracket. We revealed it last week. We put it out to a poll on Twitter, and people voted on some of the games that were featured last week. We went through just Region One. It was the. Uh, Zoe shot region that he hit against the Boston Celtics discussing that greatest season maybe of all time in Charlotte Hornets history. Mm-hmm. So the matchup, we got the results. Uh, you, the listeners, voted on Twitter that the one seed in Alonzo Mourning's go-ahead shot to win the Hornets' first playoff series versus the four seed, Muggsy Bogues, blocking Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning's shot got 75% of the vote. Muggsy's block got 25% of the vote. Have to imagine that, Doug, both you and I thought it was going to go a lot like that. Maybe it's a little bit closer than I thought. Perhaps we got some trolls to just put in the Muggsy vote, just to vote for Muggsy, which is fine. We welcome that sort of thing here on the podcast. No, it's part of what I no was surprise. arguing to Rick, that Muggsy represented the the heart of Charlotte, that we were the underdogs, and and that you could get a block on Patrick Ewing meant that Charlotte could you know be better than Atlanta someday. I mean, it just to me, it just was... Was more metaphorical than than anything, but I'm not surprised mm-hmm. that Orlando that Orlando Alonzo morning shot uh, wins definitively. But this next matchup, I'm surprised that it was also a blowout. Yeah, this one was this one quite literally the way that we seeded sequentially every single team, right? Chronological order, what the best moments were in Hornets history. This should have been the toughest matchup in the bracket. And I looked at it, and I thought it passed the eye test. Doug, I think you thought it passed the eye test to be a really tough matchup to gauge. But the two seed in this region, it was the Hornets' name returning to Charlotte in 2014, as well as the comeback victory that they had in that game against who other than the Milwaukee Bucks. The three seed that that two seed was battling, it was the Hornets selecting Larry Johnson with the first overall selection in the 1991 NBA draft. The results came in. And in fact, it was the Hornets return winning 74.3% of the vote went to the two seed, the Hornets name returning crazy. And only 25.7% of the vote went to the Hornets drafting Larry Johnson. Where do you think we got the, I do think that there's a lot of significance in the Hornets drafting Larry Johnson, helping them get on a national scale, being a guy that you thought of when you thought about the sick jerseys, being the gold tooth, being grandmama, being a national uh, star in the spotlight immediately upon getting to the Charlotte Hornets. I thought that was enough uh, weight to carry to battle against even a, a, a historical moment in franchise history with the name returning to Charlotte. I think it means that it should have been a one seed. I mean, this is going to be a really tough matchup coming up. Alonzo morning shot versus the Hornets coming back. I think it means that our listeners probably skew a little bit younger, that they don't have as much affinity for the drafting of Larry Johnson and and the number one overall pick and what that meant for the franchise. And I also also think it represents the fact that the LJ thing ended sour. And sometimes when things end uh, bitterly like that, bitterly, is that a word? When things end bitterly. Ended things ended in a bitter state. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I think you need another word to help. I'm, I don't know. I'm just gonna stick with bitterly. It was a bitter end. You it was a that. bitter end when things 
end uh, culminated into a bitter end <laughs> right uh, when that happens i think sometimes it affects your view uh your nostalgic view of how things began beginningly so th- i think that that's what's going on and then <laughs> the hornets return and comeback that's fresh in our minds so there's that factor there could be some recency bias here and it was just improbable um the fact that the hornets got the number one overall pick was now would be improbable because we've had so much bad luck in the draft. But right. then they were just a bad team for so many years that it was not improbable that they had the number one overall selection. In fact, it was deserved. And uh, so, but the, the Hornets coming back was so improbable and so magical. Um, and unfortunately, they haven't uh, been able to match that with playoff success. All right, we'll get to the other region to, uh, on Wednesday. Again, just three days. You um, almost said tomorrow. A week. I did almost say tomorrow. That's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. We're going to get back to this daily thing at some point. And I'm, yeah, I got a lot to say. Do you, do you want to end the podcast or do you want to have all those (laughs) things to say? (laughs) I'm just, what do you want me to do? I'm just feeling very bitterly right now that Mm -hmm. uh, we can't go every day. Um, So, yeah, I want some basketball back in my life. They're talking about bubbles and Las Vegas. I don't know. It seems pretty crazy right now. I just hope that everybody is safe out there listening. I hope your families are safe. I hope you're happy. I hope you're dealing with this as best you can. And I hope that in some way this podcast can bring you uh, a smile uh, in, in this weird time that we're in. We will be here, even if it's not daily, even if Doug has a lot to say, we will be here at least three days a week for you. And we're having a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun talking about some of the old days for the Charlotte Hornets. I I like doing the brackets. I like looking at hidden Hornets history. I like looking at the best seasons of all time. It's what makes us basketball fans. We like kind of living in the nostalgia that is your favorite team. That's what we're doing here. So stick with us again, three days a week. We'll be back with you Wednesday to reveal the second region in the greatest moments of all time in Charlotte Hornets history bracket. That wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Now tell your smart device to go play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA. Get out of here, coronavirus. We'll see you Wednesday. Mm-hmm.